Welcome to Real Estate and Coffee. My name is Joel Arndt. Here's some Canadian real estate news while you enjoy your morning coffee. Good morning. Today is Tuesday, November 26, 2019. This morning we have an article about record population growth in Canada. It's definitely something to stick around for. But first, we're going to uh, hear an interview from the Wealth Hacker Conference, just a short one, good snapshot into the life of a investor and investor. We also have an update on Indwell's annual report, and then we'll get to the article about record growth. So first, the Wealth Hacker interview. Let's go. Can you start with your name and some a place for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, so my name is Brent Vanderwood, and uh, you can find me online, find me at iWin, find me around. Cool. Um, what's your favorite investment strategy? Um, I would say the uh, legal duplex conversions in Hamilton. That's what we're sticking with. This is a bit of a personal question, but are you financially independent? Not entirely financially independent, although it definitely has made a huge difference in my life. What are you doing day to day to get there? To get financially dependent, independent, um, every day do something. Um, what's like your, of, what's like the most important thing that you're like? This is I have to do that today, tomorrow, and the next day. Make sure that I'm going to get there. I network with people, yeah. build relationships. That's probably my number one thing. Yeah. Uh, just know people. Yeah. Um, that helps you build your confidence and your system, knowing um, who to call, when to call them, for what purpose. Um, I kind of consider myself somebody who basically gets people organized and doing their job that they're supposed to be doing so that I can focus on the job that I'm supposed to be doing. So. Yeah, I definitely will. Hey, Ken, how's it going? Uh, do you... Okay, so I got a couple of quick questions now. Um, rent, should someone rent or own their primary residence? Um, I would prefer to own because uh, I like the lifestyle of home ownership. Financially speaking, you can do the numbers depending on where you want to live, but I would, I would say own. And cash flow or appreciation? Um, cash flow positive, but... Mortgage pay down. I think yeah, appreciation's a little bit of a hoax, but <laughs> I, like it. I would uh, I would focus on getting uh, your equity built up through mortgage pay down. That's so, it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. Indwell is a charity in Hamilton that provides affordable housing to anybody, uh, to applicants and anybody who finds themselves struggling, um, whether it be mentally, uh, with addiction, with disability, for whatever reason they can't find stable employment enough to hold, to get, pay market rents in Hamilton. And so what, not just in Hamilton, they're doing this in Mississauga, Woodstock, London, uh, now Norfolk as well, and Simcoe. They have multiple buildings in Hamilton. And they don't just provide the housing, but they provide community support. So there's addictions counseling, there's uh, food, uh, food support, there's just community activities to help build friendships. And just those base needs that are actually stripped away when you don't have stable housing. And they provide all of the above. They also provide employment training. They offer opportunities for their residents to volunteer with them. And when you look at their 2018, when you look at their 2018 annual report, you see that, sure, 
43% of their operating income from, comes from grants and expenses, but another 40% comes from rents, room and board. And then from uh, and then a certain percentage from donations and then administration fees. So they're not completely reliant on grants and 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 donations and they're not completely reliant on the government and I mean, no doubt, if those were stripped away, it would be struggle. It'd be a struggle for them to operate. But this is the point: they are providing a service, at, and then so you look at you look at their operating income versus their uh, operating expenses, and they're operating in the black. They're a nonprofit, and they're operating in the black. These people are efficient. They know what they're doing, and all of their money goes towards supporting people. When you look at their expenses, their biggest expenses are people, which is how it should be. They their building expenses are minimal compared to what they you know they have many multi residential uh, buildings and commercial buildings out there, and their 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 expenses are are pretty low across all of all of their buildings. Indwell is an efficient charity. You know you. You worry about when you donate to a charity that they are about how they're going to use your money. First of all, Indwell is very transparent. Second of all, they're very open to meeting you and talking to you. They're very personable. Thirdly, you can see directly the impact that they're having by visiting one of their buildings and going to one of their their community outreach. You can volunteer with them if you want. And am I at four now? well, I don't even remember what four was. It doesn't matter. The point is that Indwell is efficient and you can see where your money's going and you know it's having a direct impact on the people they serve. If you want to... Uh, so Houston Street Baptist, the reason why I cover this is because Houston Street Baptist is building... It's a church that's building affordable housing. They saw what Indwell was doing and they wanted to partner with them. So Indwell and Houston Street Baptist building a new building. They want people moving in by April 2020. They're midway through construction right now. They need another uh, $5 million, over $5 million. It was a $21 million project. They've already raised, what, $16 million? They just need just this little bit to go so that they're fully funded and they don't have to rely on commercial financing to, to cover the rest. Like, that's huge. You're talking about a church here, Okay. That's amazing. So let's add let this church who is already serving their community, this charity who is supremely efficient with the money that they are given. Let's add momentum to that. If you want to give, if you want to give big, I'm talking $100,000, email me recoffee at joelarnt.ca. I'll set up a meeting with the leadership of Indwell and Houston Street Baptist. You can talk to them about it and, and get a feel for yourself about exactly how good they are at what they do. If you just want to, if, if that $100,000 is not in your budget, it's not in mine, <laughs> but I do give monthly. So I've put links in the show notes for both Houston Street Baptist and Indwell, uh, and you can choose which, which organization you'd like to, to support and add momentum to. Let's, let's put our might on this side of the lever so that we're lifting up the other side, which is the, com- the community programs, the affordable housing, impacting people who need it the most. Okay, and let's partner with people who are already doing this stuff. Check out the links in the show notes. And uh, yeah, let's make a difference. This morning's article comes from Renex, realestatenewsexchange.ca. 
I guess it'd be the Real Estate News Exchange or Renex.ca. Record population growth has huge housing impact. Canada population grew by 5,000, sorry, 531,000 from August 2018 to July 2019, the largest 12-month increase in our history, according to Statistics Canada. That growth is having an enormous impact on the housing market, says Ben Myers of Bullpen Research and Consulting. Nearly 60% of that growth took place in Ontario and British Columbia, and these people need places to live. With shifting demographics and increasing rents and housing prices, presenting an affordability crisis in Toronto and Vancouver, shortfalls could continue for the foreseeable future. Myers contributed to a recent report from the real estate and finance, financial services private equity investment company Firm Capital Corporation. My goodness. That provides an overview of what's happening in markets and sectors across the country. Toronto-based Bullpen is a real estate advisory firm that helps clients better understand the residential housing market. The firm Capital Report cited RBC Economics data that said the Toronto Census Metropolitan Area, or Toronto CMA, needs 9,100 more vacant units to reach a healthy vacancy level of 3%. The RBC report also said the Toronto CMA needs 22,000 new rental apartments and rented condominium apartments per year to satisfy demand between 2019 and 2023. Even if we anticipate that 70% of all new condos are rented, and we have 4,000 new purpose-built rental apartments in the GTA every year, we still wouldn't hit the that 22,000 unit mark, Myers told Renex. We're not even hitting the rent, rented units we need, so we're not coming close to eating into the 9,100 unit shortfall in the marketplace. This means rents will continue to rise, according to Myers, even though purpose-built rental apartment construction is on the rise and 2021 is expected to be a big year for condo completions in the greater Toronto area. Conflicting projections for Vancouver. The RBC report said Vancouver needs 3,800 more available units to reach a 3% vacancy rate and 9,400 new rental apartments and rented condo apartments per year to satisfy demand between 2019 and 2023. The firm report said from 11,000 to 13,000 condo units and about 5,000 rental units are coming to the Vancouver CMA based on recent starts data. That could add up to 14,000 new rented apartment units per year, far exceeding the 9,400 units of demand and potentially eating up all of the 308 3,800 units of undersupply required to raise the vacancy rate to 3%. Vancouver could then experience flat or declining rent levels depending on the level of induced demand, according to the firm report. As supply increases, rents decline, and that could induce more people to move to Vancouver. However, Meyer said another recent report said Vancouver needs much more rental supply and maybe more underbuilt than RBC anticipated, meaning rents there would continue to rise as well.
While there are while there may be some housing availability and affordability issues in other Canadian markets, Myers said no other cities are close to the situation in Toronto and Vancouver. Montreal builds plenty of parental product, and that large supply makes rents more affordable. In Quebec, they accept rental as a lifestyle choice, said Myers. It's not as stigmatized as it is here, where it's a secondary choice. Myers said the Atlantic provinces are experiencing a crisis. The economic slump in Alberta has kept rents from getting out of control in Edmonton, and Calgary and Saskatchewan is the uh, in, in uh, sorry, uh, Alberta. The economic slump in Alberta has kept rents from getting out of control in Edmonton and Calgary, and Saskatchewan is the only province where rents are declining. Co-living, other housing options. I think people are going to look at different options to be able to stay in the city, said Myers, who believes there's potential for corporations to build or buy their own housing as a means of attracting employees. As much as we see all the cranes in downtown Toronto, we're actually building less housing now than we did in 2002 in the GTA, he explained. They weren't just seeing all of the sprawl that was happening back then. As a way of somewhat of alleviating high rents and the need for housing, companies including Roost, Sociable Living, and Milieu are offering co-living alternative. Co-living is a form of housing where residents have individual space in a shared property. Residents generally sacrifice some private space in return for lower rents and share a kitchen, living room, bathroom, and building amenities and activities. People that move to Toronto don't know anyone, so it's been a nice way to get to know people and feel like they're part of the community, said Myers. They don't have the same privacy as owning a one-bedroom condo, but at $1,800, it's less than what you would be paying for that. It's still a lot for a shared room. Or a shared place. And now you've got a fully furnished unit, and you've got all of these additional amenities and programming in your building that people really seem to like. I can see it growing because people are looking for more affordable options, and they want to be in the city. Many baby boomers are now in their 60s and 70s, and will soon have different housing wants and needs. When they hit 85, they're definitely going to be moving down and hitting retirement homes, and having a massive impact on the market, not only for the homes that they buy, but the homes that they sell, said Myers. We're still a little bit far off from that, but it's definitely impacting the market, where we have seen so many other, so many older people who are staying in their homes and not freeing up as many homes for younger people to buy. That's causing this jam at the bottom of the market, and why we're seeing such high rent levels and high prices for condo apartments and rented condo apartments. Seniors housing is becoming a more popular investment for existing operators and others recognizing opportunities presented by aging populations. However, Myers believes some developers might also develop rental accommodations with some additional services in suburban locations. In the prime markets where land is most expensive, I think they'll offer a range of product. A purpose-built rental is a little more attractive to a move-down buyer than a condominium apartment because there's the security of tenure and professional property management. They don't have to worry about the investor selling the unit uh, 
out from under them just after they've moved in. They want to have a stable place and live there for 5, 10, or 15 years. The purpose-built rental market is expected to continue to grow in Canada as institutional capital and real estate investment trusts become more involved with the sector and look to intensify existing properties. They could be taking malls and redeveloping them for apartments, with maybe a smaller retail commercial footprint, said Myers, which we've already heard about in Ottawa with um, Rio Can and a couple others. Children of boomers might now be looking at moving from the rental market or considering their second home purchases. Their children will also need places to live when they head off to universities and colleges over the next three to five years. Purpose-built rental off-campus student housing has become very popular in Waterloo and to a lesser extent in Ontario cities including Kingston, Oshawa, and Toronto. These complexes offer feature often feature units with four or five bathrooms rented to students, sorry, with four or five bedrooms rented to students who share bathrooms, a kitchen, and living room. Now we're seeing more investment student housing product where they're selling off the units to individual investors, said Myers. Then the developer or property manager will manage the entire project as a student project for you, and you get a cut of what your unit brings in, or you split the revenues with the other investors. A really interesting snapshot of, I mean, we've had uh, statistical snapshots of the rental situation in in Canada uh, a couple times over now since the spring. So, and some of those rental numbers are not shocking, but some interesting. This article brings together the. Uh, some of the initiatives that are already in place, like co-living, like purpose-built student rental. And that's definitely interesting. Nothing will be just building a lot more purpose-built rental units, that's for sure. The The real news piece that this whole article is built off of is right from that first paragraph. The population in Canada grew by 531,000 from August 2018 to July 2019, the largest 12-month increase in our history according to StatsCan. That's huge. So if that's where we're at, you got to know that real estate is going to be uh, a major investment, right? And I mean, this is where institutional money is coming in. And this is what I said, was it, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, we were taking a look at um, that opinion piece about immigration burning Canada short sellers. And the the impact of immigration on an economy so forget just real estate like the economy in general this is for whatever reason the the canadian government has decided that this is a really good option and it's good like it, there's no there's no complaining about this if it's supporting our economy it's a good thing i'm sure like anything else if it's overdone there's going to be issues. So we definitely want to watch out for that. But, you know, such as if we can't support the amount of people coming in, it seems like we, there's a rental shortfall. So if people aren't able to rent, they're going to buy or they're renting at too high a prices that they can't support, or they'll just move out of the city. And which, you know, I wish that would be, that would just be the, the natural fallout. I wish people would just move, you know, find places that they, that are actually affordable if they, um, if they can't, um, 
find something in the city that they want, right? But that's generally not the case. They will settle for something outside of their means to stay in the place that they want to be in rather than move to choose another city. So that's another another trick to watch for sure. It's encouraging that the population growth is high. It means our economy is attractive to the outside world. And, you know, I got to wonder how much the the climate in the social climate towards immigration in the u.s is affecting ours that, that could just be spec or it is definitely just speculation i really don't know but anyway so definitely something to continue to watch um see what the overall 2019 numbers were because we've been the, the numbers that we've been quoting on average, are 250,000 to 300,000. This doubles up that 250,000 number, right? Like, that's a lot more. So, it'd be interesting to see some of the impacts on, on, on this over the coming months. If this interests you, rate, give me, give Real Estate and Coffee a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts. Even if you're not listening to it on Apple Podcasts, it just, um, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts helps other people find Real Estate and Coffee. Give Real Estate and Coffee a five-star rating. If you have feedback, you can leave it in the review, or you can email me, recoffee at joelarnt.ca. So that's recoffee at j-o-e-l-a-r-n-d-t dot C-A. Let me know what you think. If you know someone who um, thinks that rents are too high or thinks that we need to stop talking about the affordability crisis because it's just absurd or something, email this or share this episode with them. I'd love to get their feedback on this article as well. Subscribe to Real Estate and Coffee, whatever using whatever podcast platform you are listening to it on right now. And thank you so much for giving me your time today. It means a lot that people would take time to listen to this. So have a great Tuesday.